This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and we appreciate especially those who may be watching for the very first time today. We have those that watch every time Getting to Know Your Bible comes on the air. I've actually had people to tell me they get up early in the morning to watch when it's on early in the morning as well as at this time. Thank you for watching. Now today we're going to be discussing the faithfulness of God. I hope that you will stay tuned. There's so many things today that uh, let us down, disappoint us, and we need something upon which we can depend. I believe that when we understand about our God and His dependability, it will cause us to lean heavily upon Him, the faithfulness of God. Stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now. I want to again mention the free Bible correspondence course that we make available on getting to know your Bible. We want to pause so that you can learn more about the course so you can learn how to receive the free Bible course. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. The book of Lamentations is written by the prophet Jeremiah. And as the name of the book suggests, it is a book of lamentings. But in this book, there is a passage of Scripture to that, to me, is a very comforting passage of Scripture. And that's in the third chapter. And I'd like to read verse 22, 23, and 24. It is the Lord's mercies that are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The day in which we live calls for something or someone upon whom we can depend. We live in a day that causes people to be skeptical of people upon whom they can depend. But what we really need is a strong line of defense against our foe. And I can tell you that some people are going to the wrong places to find that strong line of defense. You're not going to be able to hide behind your money. You're not going to be able to hide behind military strength or military power. We need something or someone upon whom we can depend. Because without a line of defense, we're very vulnerable to attack today. And it is Satan who, like a roaring lion, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. It is Satan who wants to attack us. But there is security and safety that is found in one place. And our text suggests that to us, and that's with our God. 
Let me read verse 23 again. They are new every morning. That is, the mercies of God are new every morning. And then he says in verse 23, Great is thy faithfulness. Why can we have confidence in God? And why can we say that God's faithfulness is great? Well, one of the reasons is because of God's mercy and because of his compassion. And our God indeed is a merciful God. That is, he is a God who is long-suffering to, to usward. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God is a God of mercy and a God of compassion. One of the ways that he is described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, beginning around verse 3, as the God of comfort and the Father of mercy. We can depend upon him because we can find mercy and compassion with God. Another reason that I would recommend God's faithfulness to us is because of his integrity. Now, that's a word that is not used as much as it ought to be used today because there is such a lack of integrity in some quarters today. But you can depend upon God and lean upon his faithfulness because he is a God of integrity. Someone says, well, what do you mean by that? Well, in Titus chapter 1 in verse number 2, the Bible says, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. You see, God is a God of integrity. He is a God who always tells the truth. He's always upright in his dealings with man. And because of that, we can depend upon him. And also, we can have confidence in the faithfulness of God because of his record. You know, when you begin to think about an individual, you want to know about his background. Suppose you were going to hire someone. Well, before you would say you have the job, you might do a background check on that individual. You want to see how that person has, has performed in the past at the last place that they may have worked. And if they showed a good record there, they came away with a high marks there, then you would be inclined to give that person uh, opportunity to work for you. Well, what about God's record? In 1 Kings, the 8th chapter, in verse 56, the Bible says there's not failed one word of all of his great promise. When God makes a promise, he fulfills that promise. And when God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, you can depend on that. God's faithfulness can be depended upon because he is a God of integrity and he has a good record of keeping his word. But another reason that we can have confidence in the faithfulness of God is because of his ability. Our God is not a weak, sickly God, but he is a God of power and he's a God of might. It took power to create the first man out of the dust of the ground. It took might and power to put the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets in their places in the universe. It took power for God to part the waters at the Red Sea. It took a God of might and power to raise his son from the dead. And I would remind you that he's just as powerful today as ever. In Revelation chapter 1 and 8, our Lord is described there as the Almighty. You can have confidence 
in the faithfulness of God. But that raises a question. In what is God faithful? He is described in the Bible as a faithful creator. Look in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, and verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. God is described in 1 Peter 4, 19 as a faithful creator. He is the one who created man in the very beginning of time. In Psalms, the eighth chapter, the psalmist talked about God's creating man and that man is a, has visited man and God has made man to dwell on the face of the earth, that God created man as the crowning event of his, all, all of his creation. God made man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In the 139th Psalm, the psalmist said, He's been fearfully, wonderfully made. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, Psalms 95 and verse 6. And God created the sun. He created the moon. He created all of the many, many stars that are in the heavens above. Psalms 19 and 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. You see, when you look up in the heavens at night, you can see the handiwork of God above us. He is a faithful creator, and he also is the architect of all of the universe. In the beginning, God. Someone has said that if the word God were written upon every passing cloud and embossed on every granite stone, the inductive evidence of God in the universe would be no stronger than it is. The universe is a big advertising poster that says God. So God is, and he's the faithful creator. There's no more logical explanation for the existence of everything in our world today than to say God made it all. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 4 reads, Every house is builded by some man. Every house had a builder, someone that took all of the materials out and they began to put all those materials together with, with nails and, and saws and hammers and the like. And then someone moves in and they, lives in that, and they live in that house. Suppose you were to ask that individual, how did you get that house? They say, well, it just happened to be. No, no. Every house is built by some man. But the rest of that verse says, he that built all things is God. God created everything that exists. He is a faithful creator. And according to 1 Peter 4 and verse 19, we should commit the keeping of our souls unto him as a faithful creator. But another way in which God is faithful, he's faithful in calling man. In 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and in verse 8, the Bible says that God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is faithful 
in calling men. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 24, there the Bible reads, Faithful is he that calleth you. Faithful is he that calleth you. So he's not only a faithful creator, he's faithful in calling man. Well, I might ask, unto what does he call man? Well, first of all, he calls man unto salvation. He calls men to salvation. The spirit of the bride say, come, let him that is a thirst come. Whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. And we are called to come to the fountain of life, to the water of life, the bread of life, the light of the world, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls us unto salvation, but he calls us by the gospel. Men are not called by some voice in the night. Men are not called by some flash of light across the sky. Men are not called because they have some sensational feeling that comes over their bodies. But men are called by the Spirit-revealed Word of God, that is, by the Gospel. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 14. Whereunto he called you by our Gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the way that men are called by the faithful God of heaven is by the gospel. Men are not called indirectly apart from the word of God, but they are called through the word of God. Now, let me read just a few passages to you that point that out. First of all, from Romans, the first chapter and verse number 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We are called by the gospel, and the gospel is God's power to save. Now, I want you to think with me. Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2, we are called by the gospel. God is faithful in calling us by the gospel. And Romans 1.16 says the gospel is God's power unto salvation. But let me read to you now more about the gospel. This gospel by which the faithful God of heaven calls mankind. I'm reading now from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 beginning in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which also you have received, and wherein you stand, and by which you are saved. If you keep in memory the things that I delivered unto you, for I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day, according to the Scripture. Paul said, I preached the gospel to you at Corinth, and I preached the gospel that saves. That's the very thing Paul wrote about in Romans 1.16. He said, You're, the gospel is God's power and the salvation. Now in writing to the church at, at Corinth, Paul said, I preach the gospel to you, and you're saved by the gospel that I preach to you. And he said, I, I preach to you about the death of Jesus Christ. I preach to you about the burial of Jesus Christ. I preach to you about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are facts 
concerning the gospel. There are facts to be believed. And no man can be saved without believing the facts of the gospel. In Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, I ask, believes what? Believes the gospel. A man cannot be saved unless he believes the gospel of Christ. He must believe in the facts of the gospel, which are composed of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only must he believe the facts of the gospel, he must obey the commands of the gospel. Well, what are the commands of the gospel? Well, in Romans, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 2, Paul said, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? When a man has died to sin, he's repented of his sins. He's given up the sinfulness of life. He has died to the love, to the law, and to the willful, deliberate practice of sin in his life. That is, he's repented. Now, what are you going to do with that man who's died to sin? Well, now, what do we do when men die physically? Well, you say we bear them out of our sight. So this man who's died to sin is then baptized into Christ, Romans 6 and 3, baptized into his death. Verse 4, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Here's a man who dies to sin. He repents of his sins. This man is then buried as a dead man into the Lord Jesus Christ, baptized into Christ, baptized into his death, Romans 6, 3. And then he is raised to walk in the newness of life. Now in so doing, he obeys the gospel. Someone says, well, how do you know that? We'll read in Romans the 6th chapter, verses 17 and 18. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. When, did they be, when were they made free from sin? Well, he says, then you were made free from sin. Well, I ask, then when? When they obeyed, a form of doctrine that had been delivered to them, then they were made free from sin. Well, what is that form of doctrine, that pattern of doctrine that had been delivered to them? Well, in order to understand that, you go back to the first part of Romans, the sixth chapter. They died to sin, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Therefore, they obeyed a likeness of the death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. When they did that, they were made free from sin. They were not made from sin before they did that. They were made free from sin after they did that or in the act of obeying the gospel. Now you say, I don't, I'm not really certain about that. Well, I want to call your attention now to Acts the 18th chapter and verse 8. See, in Acts chapter 18, we have an example of the conversion of of the people in Corinth. The people that Paul wrote to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when he said to them, I'm preaching the gospel to you. You're saved by the gospel. I preach the death and the burial and resurrection of Christ. 
In Romans 6, we learn that these people obeyed a likeness of the death and the burial and resurrection of Christ. But what did the people in Corinth do? Well, if you turn to Acts, the 18th chapter, and in verse number 8, there we read, And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and they were baptized. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth what? He that believes the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You must believe the gospel. You need to believe the facts of the gospel. And you must obey the commands of the gospel. God is faithful in calling us by the gospel. But then there are the promises of the gospel that we can enjoy the benefits of the gospel. Well, what are some of the promises of the gospel? One is salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation. And I don't know that we need to even mention any other thing. That ought to be enough right there. The fact that the gospel is God's power to bring men into a safe state ought to be enough to cause every individual to want to obey the gospel. Our God is faithful in calling us. He is faithful in calling us by the gospel. But then God, another way in which God is faithful, His faithfulness is great, He, he is faithful in delivering us from temptation. Now, we live in a world that's filled with temptation. A man tells me he's never been tempted. He was just tempted. And the thing that tempted him was not tell the truth because all people are tempted. There's only one person that was tempted that did not sin. That was Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, We have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as are we yet without sin. You see, Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted, but Jesus did not sin. Now, God is a faithful God. He is a God upon whom you can depend in those times in our lives that we are tempted. I call your attention now to the book of 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and in verse number 13. In verse number 12, Paul had said, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Sometimes there will be an individual say, well, you know, the devil never does bother me and, and it may bother some other people, but it's not going to bother me. And Paul said, you just be, better be careful. You, you better be careful because you too can fall. Now listen to verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You see, other people have been tempted in that way. But listen to the next part. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you, that is allow you, to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear. You see, with the temptations that come our way, we have a God who's faithful to us. And he will make a way for years I read that passage without ever really seeing that, that expression in that passage. He will make a way. 
for us to escape it. He will provide a way for us to escape it. And I believe that with all of my heart. I believe that touches on the realm of the, of the providence of God, that God will make a way for us to escape whatever temptation comes our way. He's a God who is faithful. And we need to ask God to help us when we are tempted. And we can pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God is a faithful God upon whom we can depend. A faithful creator. He's faithful in calling men by the gospel. And he is a God who is faithful to deliver us from temptation. But he's also faithful in forgiving sin. I'm reading now from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our God is faithful to forgive us our sins. And his forgiving us of our sins is contingent upon our being willing to confess our sins. You see, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 is written to those who are Christians. And Christians are not perfect people. They're forgiven people. And when we err from God, we confess that sin. And God is a God who is faithful. He is a just God. And He will forgive us our sins. And He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness in our lives. What an encouragement that ought to be for each and every one of us to live a faithful, dedicated Christian life. You see, once you're baptized, that doesn't mean that you'll never be tempted again. As a matter of fact, the whole devil will start working overtime on you. And you need to realize we have a solid line of defense with our God. Yes, indeed, thy great is thy faithfulness. Our God is a faithful God, and we can depend upon Him. Now in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community, and also right now, would you pick up the telephone? Without hesitation, call the number that you've seen on the screen and request the free Bible correspondence course. I want to thank you for watching. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. <laughs>